Welcome to Screen Masters with me, Bav. And me, Fluff. And today on the show, we are going to be discussing an important question that I've been thinking about for a while, and I thought it would make a good basis for an episode. Is there a movie better than the book it's based on? So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But of course, first, I would like to turn to the words of Cynthia Harrell, who you will not know. No. But there'll be an explanation. No. And okay. We'll go with these lyrics. Some days you go through the rain. Someday you tr- feed on a tree frog. This ordeal, the trial to survive. For the day we see new life, I give my life. Not for honour, but for you, snake eater. In my time, there'll be no one else. Crime, it's the way I fly to you, snake eater. I'm still in a dream. Snake eater. Um, have you, have you been eating snakes? No. So, uh-huh, okay. just just checking. You know, you... A, a listener contacted me uh, yesterday and told me that I should go and listen to the title song from Metal Gear Solid Three: Snake Eater because it is one of the non-best Bond songs ever. Ah, yes, I remember you said, yes. Best non-Bond songs, did I say that right? Anyway, it's not a Bond song, but it absolutely 100% is a Bond song. And I just love the lyrics for that one. Someday you go through the rain. Someday you feed on a tree frog. Just makes me chuckle. But it (laughs) is an absolutely fabulous Bond song. And if you haven't heard it, everyone, go and and search for Snake Eater from Metal Gear Solid. It's on YouTube and it's it's a cracking little Bond tune. It really is. (laughs) So let's do the admin. Uh, you can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash the screen masters. You can at us at Twitter on Twitter, which is at the SM underscore pod or twitter.com forward slash the SM underscore pod. And if you want to go back and look at any of the YouTube stuff we did back in the day, that is bit.ly forward slash biteback YT. And as always, folks, remember that the bite is spelt as a computer bite, not a food bite. So. It's 2022. This mm-hmm. is the first episode we've recorded in 2022. You've been listening, ladies and gentlemen, for the last three episodes to content that was recorded in October, I believe, of 2021. It, it's, been, it's, it's been a while. It, it, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. So let's get into it. Obviously, we've got tons to catch up on, and we're not going to have time for it all in one episode. So we're going to space it out over the next few episodes that we, uh, that we record over the next few weeks. But I'm going to throw it over to you, my friend. What do you want to talk about that you've seen? Okay, <clears throat> so this is gonna, this is going to be a somewhat of a whistle top store, like you say. We, we there's a been a lot. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Well, I think you said whistle top store. No, whistle stop tour. Clear. That's fine. Yeah. I'll listen to it in the edit. If I'm wrong, I'll cut myself out. Sure. If not, I'll leave. No, it. No, leave, leave, leave it in. Don't, don't cut, it, <laughs> cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Uh, um, okay. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Uh, no. So yeah, it's it's going to be a whistle top store. Yes. Haha. Uh-huh, just to just Correct. to screw you up now. <laughs> just to screw you up now. Well, uh, whistle top totally. store. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a quick one because we it's it's been. 
like six months probably since since we've kind of have a little uh, little catch up. Now let's face it, there's a lot out in a six month period. Um, there, there's there's been a lot. Um, now some of it's been good, and some of it's did yes, yeah, some of it's really not been good. Um, so to address this and and so that we don't get bogged down in too much discussion because certain things, all I'll say is final season of Expanse. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I still can't bring myself to watch the last episode because I know it's the last episode. Every um, time I sit down to watch it, I've put something else on because I mm. don't want to watch the last episode. Yeah. Um, so that's been... Uh, we're going to touch on that another day, ladies and gentlemen. Because... Yeah, three. Yeah, we've, uh, we've, we've got a lot of love for The Expanse. And uh, I, I think having now, also now finished the entirety of the book series, I, I've been... Delaying it somewhat until the series had come out, so then I, uh, I kind of. So I've now finished the book series as well, um, which, ooh, ooh, that was, oh, that was, uh, ooh, that was an interesting read, especially the end. Oh dear. So yeah, we'll touch on that another day. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of films out towards the end of last year. Um, so let's go a few, of the, go through a few of those quickly. Now we've watched some of these together as usual. Yeah. We, uh, we do go to cinema. Or we try to go to the cinema uh, as often as we can together. Especially when your kids are like, eh, it's a Marvel film. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uncle, un- Uncle Fluff, come on. So we saw Eternals together. We did. We had very differing outlooks on, on when we came out of that one. I think I enjoyed a bit more of a mature Marvel film. Um, not perfect, not, not perfect by any, by any stretch, but I enjoyed the difference. I enjoyed it being a little bit more drawn out, and I enjoyed a more mature viewing experience. I'd agree that the, the theme of it is, is much more mature, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a very much more uh, grown-up uh, take on it. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's, uh, it pushed things in a different direction, introduced a lot of new characters, um, some fantastic characters, some, some slightly duller characters, as I'd probably say. Some people who got more screen time than some others and uh, yeah so th- th- it, it was it was very enjoyable affair um watching your daughter lose her proverbial shit at the end of it and not remembering anything about the film other than the fact that harry Styles was in it was was kind of a funny thing though because yeah. Yeah. yeah that was uh yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you remember the film oh harry Styles. yeah you're not going to remember the rest of the film are you no i mean i agree yeah. i i did enjoy it I think yeah. my, my criticism comes from um, I think there were too many characters for me to try and get to know in that mm. amount of time. Mm. And as you say, some of them that were f- forefront, I wasn't interested in. It's like uh, I wanted to explore Gilgamesh and Thena's relationship far more deeply than it ever got explored. Yeah. You know, what is their bond? Why would he give up his life to help her? And support her. What's what's the nature of that relationship? What's the history of it? What have they been through together? We don't know that stuff necessarily. Um, Druig was fantastic. Like he had an incredibly yeah. interesting backstory. Yeah, and but... again, what he went off to do during the film wasn't explored. They just sort of picked him back up again and brought him back into the frame. It's like, no, what were you doing? Um, fantastic oh, performance by Barakio as well gotta yeah, say exactly. he's, he's, he's one of those people that kind of watched for years and just thought he'll get to there and then you see him in that and it was like um i i can't remember the name of the character the 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 speed person uh again i should know all these characters because i read them so freaking often but it's it's hard to keep track but their instant chemistry 
they see each other and there's just instant chemistry. And even I, I, I'd read the director just kind of said they they were never really supposed to have a bond the way that they do. But the two actors just naturally fell into that role. And it's very, very presentable on screen as, uh, yeah, when when you see two people just interact and it just gels, it really worked with those two. And I was like, yeah, I don't much care about, like you're pushing uh, Cersei and, um, and Icarus's relationship. Yeah, I'm actually a bit bored of that. I'm interested in more of the dynamic between those two. So those were the interesting things. Um, that, that was it. I've written the, yeah. the main guy. Genuinely can't remember his name. The one that Cersei shags. Is it Aztec or Ajax or something like that? I, I I didn't give two shits about him. I didn't like the character from the off. But obviously he turned out to be a baddie anyway, which is probably why I didn't like him in the first place. Uh, was that uh, the dude from, uh, from from Game of Thrones, Richard Madden? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Sorry, yeah, he, he, that was Icarus. Yeah. That was Icarus. Icarus. There you go. Yeah, because that was a whole I, thing. I, like, I was like, what the fuck was his name? Yeah, no, it's, it's that whole thing of him flying into the sun, and everyone was like, "Oh, Icarus flying too close to the sun." And yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, so that was Eternals. Uh, we also did go and see Spider Man together, um, which was. Whew, I don't well, that was I, a that was that was a bit of a hoot, wasn't it? Um, where, where would you even start? I know. What, that, that literally the only note I've got in my book. I wrote, sat down, wrote Spider Man, No Way Home, 2021, and then just wrote, Where do you start? Yeah. Um, I, I think we could fill multiple hours discussing yeah. that film. We shan't. We, we, we shan't. So, um, maybe we leave that for a Marvel special sometime. Yeah. Um, so, so, suffice it to say, we very much, I, I very much enjoyed it. I think we, you, you, you did. I also, did. Um, I'd seen all year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Uh, uh, yeah. The, as a feel-good yeah. experience, but that broke my heart multiple times at the same point. Oh yeah. Did bring a tear to my eye. I'm not ashamed to admit because I am emotionally invested in these characters that have been built up over these movies. So yeah, I. I there was so much to love in it. Uh, I can't. I've tried to pick fault with it since, thinking no, I'm being too fanboyish about it. I'm not engaging my critical nous to 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 analyze it i can't tell you where i'd change things mm. i really can't yeah it's it, it, it's not one i've rewatched so i've only watched it the once i haven't haven't done the rewatch i'll be doing that uh just before dr strange which is oh, about a month away now yeah, uh so again oh you know you, you see the elements of 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 what's going on with strange and then we've seen the strange trailer and all the things that again that could be leading to down the line the introduction of Patrick Stewart to, to the Marvel U, possibly is Xavier. All these little threads, and I'm like, oh, baby, oh, baby. Um, so yeah, rumors and uh, and su- suggestions as to what was going to occur in, in Spidey was always up in the air. It was nice to see some of it was true. I, I think some of it was a little bit false as well, which again, it was nice. But uh, the fact that they kept uh, a good chunk of the secrets bit uh, before before the actual film came out is is quite good the reaction of people in a cinema which is funny because you read some of these critics online saying oh marvel fans stop being happy in the cinema go fuck yourselves you sons of bitches like we don't all get a free pass to go to the cinema every day of the goddamn week some of us pay you know to go once in a blue moon so when we go it's an experience go fuck yourselves if you don't think we're going to enjoy it go fuck yourselves exactly what were there three four cheering moments during it something like that yeah because you got Murdoch at the beginning you got when each spider-man comes in i think yeah. people might have even cheered when doc ox shows up and the mm-hmm. goblin shows up you know mm-hmm. it was nuts it was yeah. nuts 
but yeah, yeah one of one of like I said, one, one of the most feel good, fun, ah, uh, just invigorating experiences I've had in the cinema for quite a while. And part of that is because of the crowd reaction whilst watching it. Yeah, it's the same when uh, you know the, the the previous one to that again when people boo hooing. Well, why are people being happy in a cinema? Um, fuck you. Um, it was was Avengers Endgame where you know. Yeah. The, the, the big bit for me where the whole goddamn fucking crowd cheered was when Cat picked up Molnir and it was like, fuck yes! Like, the whole goddamn cinema cheered for that. And it felt special and it felt right. And I'll always remember that. And it's the same as Spidey. So those people who boohoo it, you're a little bit dead inside, you fucks. Um, so that was Spidey. <laughs> riled up today aren't you oh yeah i'm riled up um <laughs> I, I am riled up i've you know it's been uh it's been yeah it's the, been a hot minute so it's, it's been a hot minute it's been not the best of times recently you know we've been trying to put the pod together for the last couple of weeks yeah you ended up you ended up with the virus at one point yeah, sadly COVID, the first week because i got covid yeah. and then unfortunately so you had family uh yeah we, we yeah we, we lost our we lost our beloved family uh family dog last week good old harvey um had to say goodbye to him so yeah it's it's been it's been a hot minute since i've i've had a bit of a rant um so fuck them they're gonna get they, yeah what we're here for this is what we're here for yeah um so yeah that was spidey and then we've got other stuff which oh okay dune we'll touch on briefly um yep. because again sadly didn't get the chance to go cinema and watch it no. having watched it not at the cinema then kind of went Okay, next next one's at the cinema because yeah, a visual masterpiece. Yeah. Jesus Christ! That's Denny Villeneuve all over, isn't it? He's oh, yeah. just such an amazing eye for the visuals. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I liked Dune. I thought it was a decent film. I don't know the book. By I believe it's by Frank Herbert. I've, I've never read it. Um, I've never even. I owned the original Dune movie on VHS at one point, but I don't think I actually ever watched it. Uh, so um, I, I, I had the fortune of having seen it previously, and I'd played uh, the the video game as well, uh, like the really old school strategy game Dune, and it was, yeah, that that was, oof, yeah, that that was quite some some days ago. But yeah, so I knew the basics of the storyline, um, knew how they were going to go with it. But you know what? I was again like Timothy Chalamet is. I'm like one of these. He's one of these actors that I'm a bit like. You, you, are you just a pretty boy? Are you like? Are you actually any good at acting? And then I see his performances, and I'm like, no, you're actually quite good. You, yeah. you're yeah. a bit of a bastard. Um, again, Oscar Isaac in there. Just so many people. Just so many people like small roles, but for big actors, and you kind of go, it works. Um, yeah. I love Oscar Isaac, and I, I yeah. was. Gutted he wasn't in it more. But how mm. funny is it, just thinking, uh, just on Oscar Isaac briefly, it did occur to me that in that film, like, because he's got all the big grey beard and everything, like, yeah. he, he could easily be mid-40s looking in that. And then you I look at it. Midnight, uh, Midnight, Moon Knight, yeah. and he looks 20s. like he's 30-something. <laughs> you know, early 30s. Yeah, it's yeah. like, wow, I don't actually know how old you are, because you can play anything if you get rid of that beard. Yeah, he's he's, he's actor anyway. Yeah, he, he's very versatile. Um, I think he's very much coming into to his own these days. Like he's he's picking roles. He's not just going, okay, yeah, I'm going to go with the big money thing. He's picking roles. Like Moon Knight is not necessarily, you know, a, a big money day for him because of it being a TV series. He's looked at this and gone, this is an interesting character. This is an interesting take. Yeah. 
let's face it, if you uh, are yeah. a character actor, your Moon Knight, uh, you know, someone with split personalities, and yeah. it, that is going to be one of the most meaty roles that you can get your teeth into, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. Um, okay, Matrix. Matrix Resurrection, <laughs> yeah. Wish, wish they'd only ever made one film at this point. Sincerely, yeah. This you see, I wish that was the oh. second one as being like it's got an hour and a half of brilliant action. Yeah, in it. yeah. So I still say that that chase sequence down the motorway and stuff that they actually oh, you know yeah. built a set for and shot properly and everything with just a little bit of CG when they needed it. I still say that's one of the most incredible action sequences around. But it's just surrounded by about an hour and a half to two hours of not brilliant stuff <laughs> yeah this this was a whole bag of meta bullshit yep. wrapped in a agenda uh and it was boring as shit um i watched it with another buddy of ours um and uh yeah we both got to the end and we basically turned to each other and i was like I'm fucking glad that's over. And he laughed and he was like, I was thinking the exact same thing. So when you you sat there and you're both thinking the same thing, yeah, please be done with the Matrix now. Or if you're going to not be done with the Matrix, don't give it back to the, the Wachowskis who... Uh, they, I mean, they, they even... I, I remember reading a thing where the, one of the Wachowskis who, who actually did it um, basically was just like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't going to let them finish this story. I was going to do it. Well done for shitting all over a story that started good. Um, it's their story to tell at the end of the day, but it was, it was, yeah. It, Basically, it was, the same, yeah. The issue, my main issue with it is it, it, it's like fucking episode seven Star Wars all over again. Episode seven was just a new hope with a mm-hmm. fresh coat of paint on it. Matrix Resurrections is the Matrix with a fresh coat of paint on it and without the jaw dropping yeah. advances in camera technology that they did to create bullet time. And again, it's the sequences where they're talking about what is the Matrix? What makes the Matrix Matrix? And everyone's like, whoa, swoosh, bullet time, whoa. And it's like, yeah, basically, yeah. The first one is a fairly interesting sci-fi story, but is, you know, not... A technical masterpiece is what it, you know, it was for its time. It is more about technicalities of what they managed to achieve and how they managed to push the action genre forwards. That's what it's brilliant for. And you can never forget the first time you saw that. It's like, um, no matter what happens in CG, um, uh, you know, uh, animation technology, you can never forget the first time in 1994, if you did, if you were around back then, see it when you saw Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And you saw the the level of detail that it was possible to get on these plastic toys. The stuff looked like plastic. You could see the tiny little undulations in the actual plastic of the toy. And it's still amazing to see now because that's genesis for the whole thing. Yep. But yeah, so what do they do in them? All right, we need a gimmick for the new one then. Let's do super slow-mo? Hey. What? Like bullet time within bullet time? Yeah. And it just doesn't look like anything that we haven't seen before at this point. That's and, and we're also going to have a matrix within a matrix, which the people in the real world can somehow get to, but shouldn't feasibly be able to get to because it's a made-up simulation within a simulation. No, your story yeah. is bullshit. And Neil Patrick Harris, love MPH, love him for so many reasons. What a bullshit villain. It was It was just, it was a waste of time. Yeah, it was, he was absolutely wasted. Uh, Keanu Reeves looked like he was he was sleepwalking throughout the entire goddamn thing. 
I've it's seen like him in certain things, and he's he's like, oh, I've got a bit of passion for this role, and yeah. uh, uh, he John, just looks, Wick, he looks stoned. He looks that... stoned throughout the entire <laughs> thing. Maybe he was. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know the show a good chunk in Europe, so he may have just been popping to Amsterdam every other day, yeah. filling up and uh, and going back. Yeah, it was it was shit. Carrie Moss was terrible. Yeah. You know, everyone's like all oh, the chemistry between them. What chemistry? There's, there's nothing to it. But that again, subjective. My opinion. Oh, I agree. I'd like to say the, the the sort of big third act chase and stuff where he's essentially just a superhero. Mm-hmm. We've thrown all the cool kung fu that he used to do out the window, and now he's just using hand blasters to push things. And it's like, oh, and, and and now and now Trinity and Neo are on equal footing. They're equal super people. Mm. Oh, for the fuck's sake! There was uh Apparently, one the one doesn't mean the one anymore. It means anybody who we decide is is now available. Yeah, what about bucket bag shit? Um. We've also had series which have have, have been out, uh, moving away from the movie side of things. A few series, uh, the the latest series of Sunny um, came and went very very quickly. It's like I swear to God they released that stuff like two three episodes a week. Uh, so I swear to God, in less than a month, like the whole series was done, and I was like, the fuck! Like, don't get me wrong, I love me some Sunny, but fuck, stretch it out a bit. You know, tease me a little, tickle those balls a little bit. You know, fucking drag it out, but so yeah, we uh, we got that. But it, it, it was sunny, it was sunny, and it was great. And on on the sunny subject, uh, for those who don't know, there is now uh, an always sunny podcast. Um, I don't know what it is. Everybody, you know, doing these podcasts. I don't know where everybody gets these ideas yeah. that people listen to podcasts. But yeah, apparently they do. Um, yeah. Uh, as so, as opposed to. Say the the Scrubs podcast, which I had been watching and I, I listened for a little while, and then just kind of went, yeah, I'm just kind of bored of this now. Oh fuck me, this is like must see entertainment on a weekly basis. Uh, as I say, watch. Yeah, and I say watch because they so started they... off doing it as a pod, and then they turned it into a you know a viewing thing they put up on YouTube. And fuck me, it's so good. Yeah, like I, I so it's... very good. They're supposed to be talking about an episode each episode, and they spend maybe five minutes of a 45, mm-hmm. 50 minute episode actually talking about that episode of Sunny. The rest of it is, uh, well, you know, talking about anything. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Glenn and his collarbone, or yeah. Glenn's bucket list of things he wants to do before he dies, or yeah. whether Rob McKellen's an alcoholic or not, which then makes the mainstream press. Yeah, and uh, the 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 episode where they all just sit around and get drunk together. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, just friends who make a TV show, just sitting around, just getting drunk, and you're like, "What the what the fuck am I? How am I engaged in this?" Probably the best episode I've, uh, I've watched of it, to be honest. The most engaging because I was just like, "I feel at, at home. I feel comfortable with these people. They feel like friends." Um, that that's how it feels. So if if you're a fan of Always Sunny, encourage you to uh, listen or watch the. Uh, the podcast that those guys have done, they, um, you know, they, they've got a bigger budget and, and technicalities than, than we have. So, you know, of course that's going to, and of course they sometimes, uh, sometimes Rob references the show that no one watches, which <laughs> we'll actually be coming back to discuss part two of. Yeah. Uh, um, 
I, I, I assume that's a, a joke amongst them because I'm like, I mean, I fuck it. I, I, I love Mythic Quest, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, but I, I do wonder whether, like, the numbers, because it's on Apple TV, isn't it? Oh, I, yeah. They, I yeah, thought yeah. Apple TV subscriber numbers aren't quite as high as some of the other streaming services yet. Sure. So yeah. I do wonder whether the numbers are lower. Obviously, Apple don't care because they're commissioning it for more seasons. But yeah, you, I, I assume it's got a lower viewership than Sunny, for example, because of the fact sure. that Sunny Yeah, because it's not a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you've brought up Apple TV, so I'll I'll jump on that one. So I did watch a uh, a, a couple of series, uh, one which was on Apple TV, which was uh, Foundation, okay. which was the big site. I think. Uh, hang on, I've got to check. Ah, shit, was it Foundation? Damn it! I, I actually got to check now. It's been a little. While. It, it's been it's been a little while since. Uh... Yeah, no, it, it was Foundation. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I just had to double check that. Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, it's a TV series which is based on. Um, isaac asimov you know series wow. and uh it's 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 got it is some high scope sci-fi shit um there's some really good people in there like jared harris always love him uh lee pace always a fantastic actor a few other people you may have seen before and been like okay yeah like Clark peters from the wire uh is in there as well and you're like what the fuck so there's some really interesting people I'm not going to lie and say it's it's 100% great because there are points where I'm like, it feels very dragged out. But if you want a high-concept sci-fi series, then yeah, Foundation on Apple TV is for you. Um, interesting. Very interesting. So essentially, it's about uh, a dynasty that has been spanning for thousands of years, and this is a clone dynasty. So the main person in charge is continually cloned. There is a... Uh, a morning, uh, a day, and night version. So you've got a child, an adult, and then an old man. And they're constantly in cycles. So the old man will die once the old man dies. A new clone is born, and eventually that clone will become the child. That child develops into the man. The man becomes the old man. So it's a continual life cycle. And it's about the dynasty of this empire, as they call it, who you know, conquered star systems and stuff like that. And then Jared Harris's character comes along and he's a mathematician who basically says this empire, this empire is destined to fall. Um, here are the numbers that prove it. So obviously, you know, the people at the top are like, no, the empire's not going to fall. No, no, it's, it's going to, you know, if it, nothing, nothing lasts forever. Look at the Roman empire. Uh, you know, nothing will ever last forever. And it's that kind of, idea behind it so there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes and it spans a good generation or two it, it spans a good time period and i know that moving forward it's going to push time even more so yeah it's an interesting one if you love a, a high concept sci-fi series then that's that's a viewing for you hmm. interesting yeah and i'll name one of the series before i'll throw it over to you because i know again we've Acutely aware, there's there's a lot we've watched, but uh, you know we want to get get to the meat and bones of it all. Uh, but so the last one is uh, Wheel of Time, which was on Amazon Prime. Um, another high, high, high idealed fantasy series, um, and this one's a little bit harder to explain. Um, so you've basically got. Uh, a guy who was born with a power who died and his next reincarnation could come back and destroy the world. So there's a group that's kind of going around trying to find this reincarnated individual and stopping them from destroying the world. 
in a nutshell that's kind of what it is but it gets so big um so very very quickly um roseman pike is kind of the main person in that again there's a few other people you recognize as a fantasy series it's very good but so like the first episode really gripped me second and third episodes kind of slipped off fourth episode kind of gripped me again so it has it's it's been on the up and down up and down but you know it's been picked up for another series it looks like it's going to go places uh you know it's that got a lot of lord of lord of the rings comparisons and and things like that which is completely justified because you know there's orcs and big beastie beasties and things like that so um so yeah it's it's another another one i'm trying to stretch out all of the you know the various platforms your amazons your apple your netflix try and give one for each say in case you don't have all of them uh like some of us uh then you get to sample a bit uh and yeah so that's it other than other than like a couple of series which are obviously ongoing at the moment picard which uh second series has started um yeah i mean the first two episodes i was really interested i really have not been since um i've got to be honest i'm i'm watching it but yeah i'm not as deeply invested as i was prior It, Mm -hmm. it seems to me like the first two episodes we just spent time getting people to where we should have left them at the end of the previous season. Mm-hmm. Like that's where everything should have been left. And we, we spent time going, right, well, this person's here and that person's there and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, let's just, let's just start from there. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause uh, they've, they've thrown away the synthetic for the time being. Yeah. She's gone. So what was the point in all that? I mean, I yeah. liked that, but it, what, what was the it, point then? Yeah. We've lost, so we've lost the synthetic girl, Daj, Soji, which, whichever one it was. We've lost Elnor as well. So the young, interesting characters who I was actually a bit more intrigued about as opposed to a boring version of Seven of Nine. Um, Picard's former, uh, you know, number one, who one minute loves him, the next minute hates him, and then is a bit indifferent towards him. Um, yeah, I'm just not sold on a series and hearing that they've already done season three they've finished shooting season three like guys like season one came out and it got bombed because it was shit and season two's come out and it started off well but it it's not not really getting on all cylinders and you've already done a third season without looking at the second season i feel this is a mistake that some of these you know they're like oh let's just commission it people will watch it no, people aren't going to watch it if it's shit, and they're just going to diss all over it, and then it's going to ruin the legacy of, of a great man that is Picard. But yeah, but we'll see. We'll, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, hopefully, I'm hoping. I am fingers crossed that it, it turns itself around for the for the end of the season. Um, so that's been my view, or some of my viewing, because trust me, there's been a fucking lot more. But uh, <laughs> how about you? What what have you been watching? What all you right. watching? Let me go back through my list then. So, I've uh, I'm, I'm about to sneeze. So, bless you, bless you, bless you. Cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. Um, yes, I have been watching multiple different things. Obviously, um, let's see what can I. There is there are some things I do want to have a bit of a chat about but um i don't want to go on too long so let's touch on some easier stuff i'll tell you what no i will bring this one up um uh fantastic western on netflix um called the harder they fall 
Uh, it's an entirely black cast and black production. Yes, as far as seen I it. I have seen that. Yes, written and directed by James Samuel. Um, so it's it's like uh, your, your classic western story. There's the Nate Love gang on one side. There's the Rufus Buck gang on the other side. Two gangs of outlaws on the opposite sides of a disagreement. Um, now it's interesting to me because the story is fictional from listening to an interview with the writer director but apparently all of the actual black characters in it did exist at some point in uh you know in in history they are documented characters but what he's done is taken those real characters and then put them into a fictional scenario because you know as he says in his interview it's like you know there there are no there were black people in the west during western times but you never see it unless mm-hmm. they're slaves or something or other. So he wanted a Western because he loves Westerns, but he wanted a Western he could identify with a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, it's just, fa- I think it's fantastic. I, I loved it. Um, Jonathan Majors is in it. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Danielle Deadweiler's in it. She's brilliant. Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, Idris Elba, Delroy Lindo, Zazie Beats, RJ Siler, Eddie Gethy. They're, they're all fantastic. Their characters are so, so good. Uh, Cherokee Bill um, and the Marshal Bass Reeves is Delroy Lindo. Um, Daniel Deadweiler's brilliant as Cuffy, who's a, uh, is like a bouncer in this, uh, in this little yeah, saloon. Yes, yeah, very good and character. You think, you know, it's that, that sort of Joan of Arc thing of she, she's being a man so that she can, she presents as a man so that, that she will be accepted. And it's only much later on that you you realise that actually she's she's a woman. Um, I mean the the bits with Nate Love, uh, Jonathan Majors, and Idris Elba towards the end of the film mm. are just amazing. I, I, they're such great actors, and they they just work so well together. Um, it's a great western in the traditional way of a good western. But it has all this panache and flair just oozing from it. And I'd normally, I don't want to compare him to Tarantino. But what I mean by that is that it's got, you watch a Tarantino film, you know it's a Tarantino film because the of style. the way it looks and the style of it. Yeah. yeah? It's the same here. I, I'm very sure that the next time I watch a James Samuel film, were I to watch it without knowing, I think I'd know it was one of his films mm. because of this distinctive style that he brings to it. Um, the plot's brilliant and it has a lovely little sort of thing in the tail that you're not expecting. Uh, yeah, him. I think, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it is that thing sometimes with a Western, like it's very uh, cut, cut and dry. It's A, B, C, boom. You know, good guy, bad guy, battle, done. Uh, yeah. this, this, this has, uh, yeah, like you say that there's a twist to the story, uh, you don't see coming, but at the same time you inevitably accept because you're like, yeah, of course, you know, that, that, that those are the way things were. Um, yeah, like you say, fantastic performances all round. I loved the mise-en-scene, uh, as we love to say, mise-en-scene, um, the, the music as well, just yeah. something really special. Uh, sometimes really when you go there. Because it's yeah. that mix of sometimes Western themed, you know, Ennio Morricone st- type influence stuff, and then just straight hip hop at mm-hmm. times. But hip hop done in a way that totally fits 
with what you're seeing on screen. You would think it'd be a weird juxtaposition, yeah. but it works really, really well. Yeah, I've no, read a couple I've... of um of things about people going, "Well, this ain't a real, this ain't a real western." Um, well, you're just a hick, stupid sack of shit, then, aren't you? Because yeah, it's like who the fuck tells you? You know, you don't determine what a fucking western is, like, and that's the thing. Like, I really get pissed off when people are like, "Well, it ain't a western." The fuck do you mean it's not a western? This is a fucking western. I can't imagine what point you would ever try and argue that it wasn't a Western. It looks yeah. like a fucking Western. Yeah. The story is a classic Western tale of yeah. guy on this side, guy on that side, has a beef with this guy and goes to track him down and the other guy's the big outlaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know how you could ever argue that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's Four just the stupid hicks. The the just day. the stupid hicks. Um, yeah, so I've read a couple that are like, it ain't a real, rest- it ain't a real Western. Yeah, just... It ain't my uh, western. It ain't my western. I don't believe in it, boy. Uh, fuck them, you. You got them people of color in it. I ain't watching it. No way. No way, yeah. no how. Yeah. Fuck, fuck you. Now. Fuck you. Uh, so, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Red Notice. Netflix's yep. biggest budget movie to date. The $200 million uh, film that they bought off another studio because it wasn't going to get released. Have you seen yes. it? I have, I have. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought basically it was okay. It's yeah, kind of it's... what you expect, isn't it? Yeah. It's The Rock doing the straight man version of The Rock. It's Ryan Reynolds <laughs> doing Ryan Reynolds, and it's Gal Gadot being a sassy ass kicker. Yeah, like you said, did, did I see Twist and Turns come in? Yes, yes, yes I fucking did. Um, I'm, like, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, that was a surprise. No, was it bollocks a surprise? Like, I'm looking at this going, okay. Where's the twist? There's the twist. Okay, that's that's what it is. Okay, it, it was a paint by numbers. Um, it was a paint by numbers action adventure film. Bit of bit of, bit of buddy comedy, uh, you know, between Reynolds and, and the Rock, which which you love because you knew that was gonna, you know, it, you knew that those kind of people gel together. Unsurprisingly, it's been picked up for a sequel, and they can't wait to you know get chomping at the bits to make the damn thing because it's been like Netflix's biggest fucking hit. And why wouldn't it be when you've got Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and The Rock? You know, uh, you can't always necessarily put three A-list actors together and it do well. But Netflix did well with this one. Well done. Well done for them. Yep, absolutely. Um, one more, and then we'll move on. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I have yet to see, so it'll be interesting ah, to know your take. As, as the bigger of the Ghostbusters fans here, between the two of us, um, yeah, I'm interested to know your take. I I enjoyed it. Um, I do think it's a little bit disposable, uh, but I I did enjoy it. I've heard some mixed things and that people were like, oh, it was just, oh, look, here's this reference, here's that reference. I don't agree with that. I think it had its own story to tell. I think it was uh, well done in what it tried to do it was cool enough in the things it changed i loved the little robot uh ghosts uh what they call it the traps that they use so one of those remotely controlled on wheels was brilliant for sequences when they're driving around in ecto one um yeah it had everything i wanted to be honest it did have those nostalgia kicks that i wanted to see from the old stuff and it it was respectful towards them i feel and of course it's going to be because it was directed by um, Jason Reitman. Mm-hmm. So he was never going to, you know, piss all over his dad's legacy or anything. 
Um, there, I've heard that the cameos were badly used, and I completely disagree. I think they were well used, and I think they were interesting when uh, when they were. But yeah, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. I think it's worth yeah. a watch if you're a fan of Ghostbusters. I think it does enough to when tell you say- a different story. And the new leads are, you know, Paul Rudd. Who doesn't like Paul Rudd these days? I, I used to yeah, like I, I, back in the day. He did some roles him. that I wasn't keen Yeah, I really didn't like Paul Rudd. I mean, I'm still a bit indifferent to some of the roles. He does a lot of uh, you know, the stuff with Will Ferrell and, and that kind of yeah, comedy trope and stuff like that. Movie. That's not, uh, I know they're doing a, a it looks like a psy, psychiatrist kind of comedy drama thing on, on Apple TV between the two of them. And I took one look at the trailer and I was like, yeah, that's not a role of, of yours. Like, again, maybe because he became Ant-Man, he ingratiated, ingratiated himself to me by becoming a Marvel character, maybe. Maybe that was it. But yeah, yeah. He, he leads it well enough, and you know, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think all the kids are really good, but you know, some of those we've seen in Stranger Things and other stuff, and it, and we know they're good by now. We know they're they're decent little actors. So yeah, I I, I thought it was decent. I, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, I'd say watch it. Nice, it's worth a watch. You will get something out of it, even if it's not as much as you were hoping for. Nice. Uh, in fact, there was one show that I I had uh, neglected to, to mention, which I'm. Currently in the uh, in the middle of, uh, and you know what? I I'm gonna say it now because I hopefully it will it will cause a few people to go and watch it, and uh, maybe yourself for w- when we when it's finished and we catch up. Um, Our flag means death, um, which is uh, Taika Waititi and uh, Reece Shearsmith, and it's about pirates at sea. Um, Taika Waititi plays uh, plays Blackbeard. Uh, Reece Shearsmith plays. Uh, just what you might call a uh, an upper class, uh, a gentleman pirate, as he calls himself at one point. Uh, and this has just been pure, unadulterated fun to watch. There, there's Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok. Yes, yes. Another thing. And Reese Smith from yes. The League of Gentlemen. Yes, indeed. I love both of those people. Yes, indeed. Our flag means death. Uh, it's been something that I'd kept on my radar for a little while. I was waiting for the series to finish. The series is finished, and I'm about halfway through. And this is just pure, unadulterated joy. It is so much fun to watch. There has been a lot of heavy watching for a lot of shows. Like this, you know, there's criticisms of this and this. Oh, let's look at it. no. This is just fun. This is just a bit of silly comedy fun, and you can clearly see the two of them. Sat to get like I'm watching. Uh, I was watching one scene from the latest episode that I'm I'm in the middle of, and it's them just sat around eating eating steak and basically coming up with an idea that one of them is going to become an owner, open a restaurant. And oh well, I'll come on a Saturday. Can't. It's too busy. And and, and I'm just like they're ad libbing this entire fucking thing, aren't they? They just they're just making this shit up as they go along, and it is entertaining as shit. So there you go. Our flag means death. If you want something to. Have fun and enjoy for a while, which I know not every show and, and movie out there is. Then there you go. That's that's the new show for you. Are you are you sure on the people that are in this? Yes, one hundred percent. I'm looking at it now on IMDb. Mm-hmm. And I see Reese Darby's in it. Oh, Reese Darby. Sorry, Reese oh, Darby. My no, apologies. What is it? A zero advert at the minute? An accounting software advert? I see him in. My apologies, Reese Reese Darby. Sorry, not Reese Shearsmith. I apologise. Yeah. Uh, the other guy, Rhys Shearsmith, he's he's a New Zealander as well, isn't he? I think. 
So I think that's where I just got that confused. Yeah, I can see Tyker. Uh, and yeah, it's got people like Rory Kinnear in it, who I love. Oh, God, and there's there's a lot of people Joel in there. Joel Fry I'm a big fan of since he was in a series called Trolley back in the day. Yeah, there's, there's a good few people that you'll be like, the fuck? Um, a, a very eclectic cast, but highly entertaining. Highly, highly entertaining. Um, and finally, it, it answers the question, were there gay men at sea? Oh, yes, okay. yes, there are. Yes, yes, one hundred percent, there are. Um, they they don't shy over that. They just go, yeah, there are men who are on ships all the time, and and they're gay. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just the way it was. So yeah, HBO Max show. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy. All right. Yeah, we'll get on that. Definitely watch that. Because yeah, Taika Waititi and uh, Reese Darby when they were doing flight, they were they would both be on flight of the Concords with those guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love those. Cool. Yeah, I'll give that a watch. Okay, so. The main topic. The argument is always that the book is always better than the film. And 90% of the time, I don't think I'd disagree with that, to be quite honest. I think Mm. that is generally the rule. But is there a movie out there that is better than the book it's based on? That's the question I want to pose today. And obviously we have a little discussion about around uh properties based on on books and uh and then we'll go we'll 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 see if we can find one yeah i mean there's uh, let's face it we're we're very much now in a in an era where a lot of books even before uh, jesus i you know you, you hear about a book and then i know that my my mum uh had been telling me about the the guy who who's like a He's on one of the pointless or some such game show, and he wrote a book. And yeah, there you go, Richard Osman, and he wrote uh, a book. And, Club, I think it's yeah, and b- b- before the book was even like published, it had already been signed up by Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King, sorry, Stephen Spielberg to be turned into a film. I'm like, the fuck, the film, the book's not even come out yet. Um, and it, it seems more prevalent these days that you do get, you know, publishers who just go, okay, well. Um, uh, somebody might like this. Okay, let's uh, let's pass it to Steven Spielberg's people. He might enjoy make, turning this into an adaptation. Publishers now don't just look at a book as a book. They look at it as, what can this be adapted into? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so it does seem a bit more prevalent these days. But we also get a lot of, of, of remakes of films that were based on books as well. Um, so... We've, you know, we, we've had some big fantasy series, and that's the thing. Like we, when you get fantasy series like Lord of the Rings, for example, mm-hmm. um, which you know it, it, the books compared to the films are like a sliver. Like there's, there's, there's a lot, lot there, but you look at the you know nine hour spectacle that is the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then you read the books. You could probably read the books in a quarter of the time. Um, really. I, yeah, I mean, I certainly. I mean, the the book for me, I I read. I mean, I read relatively quickly. I, mm-hmm. I'd say. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, um, but it as in the you know, I don't. When reading the books, I didn't feel the epic scale um, at times as I did when the visual medium changes that because that's the thing when you read a book and you're reading about a character or two characters and they're talking about oh we walk walk into this great hall and you can you kind of picture a great hall of say twenty or thirty people. And then you see something like Lord of the Rings and, and they walk into a great hall and it's 
fucking huge, like to the point where you're like, how the fuck did that? How has that even been built? That it gives a bit of a, a grandioseness that a book doesn't always necessarily do. Um, that that visual medium sometimes changes that. Because all right, let's start with Lord of the Rings then. Mm. I because I, I I've not read Lord of the Rings. After okay. seeing the movies, I tried. <clears throat> I started with the first one, and I'll be honest, it starts with about a two hundred page history of the Shire, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I couldn't get through it because I didn't care. Yeah, because the problem was. I had seen the films in it. it was like I mm. get to the good bit. Where's Helm's Deep? Where's this? Where's that? You know, I just wanted the story to get going. So that's on me. Yeah. I'm, uh, but I am, you know, you've read them, you've seen the films. Which is better? What do you think is better? Uh, for for me, I mean, again, the, it is it is that thing of yes, we're going into this conversation. Is is the film or the book better? It is that difficult thing where the medium of choice for me is visual. Uh, you know, I read a lot. Uh, you know, I, I I am constantly reading. You know, like I say, I've just finished the Expanse series again, and that that's something I'll touch on in a bit. Obviously, it's not film, but it's you know a medium of of difference. Um, uh, but for me, yeah, the 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 films so much better than than the books are. You can lose yourself in a book, um, very very much so, and you can lose yourself in the characters and. There's little things within the books that aren't going to appear on screen, uh, like the whole character of Tom Bombadil is not a character you really could have put in the the spectacle that was the Lord of the Rings films. There was a little bit more. It feels to me from the books to to the movies, <clears throat> there was a bit more seriousness in the films than there is in the books. Like obviously it's a book. <clears throat> Excuse me, frog in my throat there. It's all right, but. Yeah, the, the, there's just something about a visual medium for me. Um, you can give a description of a scene in a book, um, and the best, the best actually, I could describe is going to be the uh, Mars trilogy books, mm-hmm. uh, where yes. it's uh, it's red Mars, green Mars, blue Mars, or red Mars, yep. blue Mars, whichever one, uh, which I had read, and I it took me a while to get through all three of those books. They are they are heavy going at times. Are seriously heavy going because. I am reading chapters and chapters at length of descriptions of the surface of Mars and the valleys and the trenches. And that's too much for me. Like you'll give, you're giving me a visualization. Yes. But you are going into way too much detail. Like you, you have a, a mind's eye picture of everything that's going on when you're writing that. That's, that's fine. But I don't think the reader necessarily needs that much detail. That's just from me. The, the, the lord of the rings books uh they there's not as much meat and bones in in uh, at certain times for the story that you know peter jackson fleshed it out a lot more because you can do when you've got a visual medium you know when you've got an approaching army coming in that's gonna take you a minute to to watch an army uh you know leading up on a hillside ready to ready to do battle in a book you read two lines uh, you know, the army was ready. The army charged. You've got two lines in a book that could take ten minutes on on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see that visual medium. I want to see uh, the Ruhirim running down that hill uh, at the battle. You know, in the final film, you 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 know that that entire group running down the hill and and going against everything in front of them. You you feel that emotional punch when when you're seeing that on screen i don't always necessarily feel that when i'm reading a book 
Um, certainly not with the Lord of the Rings books. I engaged more with the characters on screen than I did with the, those in the books. Um, you know, but again, there's a lot no, missing was... from the films, as far as I understand it. That you know, there's a lot more that happens, things that happen in the book that aren't, or the books uh, that 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 doesn't make it into the films. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tends to be the thing that uh, correlates with with this opinion of. Uh, books the, the the book always being better than the film is because actually the book contains far more detail sometimes than you can fit into uh the book um i'd look at the harry potter series for, yes. for an example of that i think i think the best harry potter film is the third one because the book is just about short enough mm-hmm. to be adapted nicely into a two-hour film um, and obviously it helps that you got an amazing filmmaker in to actually produce, you know, to direct it. So it, it has so much, well, again, flair that, that you know, Christopher Columbus isn't a bad director, but he, he's he's more of a nuts and bolts director, I would yeah, say. Yeah, he was I more of a, uh, let's, that yeah, let's do the when, kid friendly version. That's, that's your Chris Columbus, you know. Exactly. And then, you know, the third one tried to do something a bit more interesting with it. Um but after that point, it it loses me because the, the the fourth film, for example, I always say when I watch the fourth film and when Diggory dies at the end, I don't really get an emotional punch. I don't really mm. care that much because we've only built him up in, in two one, or three yeah. different film, yeah, yeah. The sequences in that one film. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you've read the books, you've noticed, known that character since year one, since book yeah. one because he's been a peripheral player all throughout the books. So you have a knowledge of this character. You have a a, a kinship with him. You understand him. And then when he does perish, it is a heartbreaking moment because you understand that you've lost that character. You feel for that character and the loss there. But also you then think about the impact that will have on your main character because he will probably blame himself for that tragedy. And it, it just adds all of that extra depth um, that yeah. I don't think you get. And like I say, when you move on past those, even doing the last book as two films, I just don't think it works particularly well. It doesn't. It um, doesn't. Because... It, it, I understand the reason that they did it because, yeah, you know... You're not going to watch a five-hour film. No, but... you're not. It's it's hard because that, that, that last book is so all-encompassing and it is very... I don't want to say depressing, but it's it's very dark uh, and miserable in 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 some sections. Like for me, I think my I think my favorite of the Potter books is the Order of Phoenix because it shows the camaraderie between the students. Those you know where they get together for their you know their little club uh, and they're 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 helping train each other and they're helping educate each other. Those people who were shit in class at various spells are suddenly becoming better because they've got, you know, friends and, and like-minded people helping them. Um, and that camaraderie between them. And, and that was, that was interesting. And I really enjoyed the element of it. The, the going against the, you know, uh, against the establishment, which was Umbridge and stuff like that. I really enjoyed that book. And then the film came out and I was hoping for a lot more than I got. Um, so yeah, it, it was, at that point, and I think it is very much with the pot. I enjoy the Potter films very much so, which, you know, as, as somebody who hated the damn things when they first came out, as we touched on before, it's because we were working at the cinema and we wanted to kill every little child that was throwing fizzing whispies around. 
making me fall over the little shits. Um, uh, so yeah, there was always bad. And as soon as I got into the books, I did find a love for the books. Um, and there are, there are huge sections within the books where it, it, it's, you never see any of that shit on screen. All the stuff with Dobby, you know, him being around Hogwarts all the time and helping out Harry and him having a job there. And none of that shit is ever touched upon. And you're like, the fuck, that's a pretty important part of the books. The Elf Liberation Society and stuff like that. I'm like, that's interesting stuff. Uh, I understand why they can't do that. And at times I'm like, yeah, I kind of hope that they do like an HBO Max series in some ways to expand upon that. But I fear they just shit all over it. And, uh, you know, the, the way everybody is against, uh, you know, Potter and, and its creator these days, that's probably less than likely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that thing of how much of the book can you take to the screen and sacrifice without sacrificing too much? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that always seems to be the decision, doesn't it? It's, um, cause you know, you, you, uh, you know, I've written down a load of stuff that, that I haven't seen. So actually I can't comment on, but you know, shit like twilight, mm-hmm. all baseball books, 50 shades, See, I mean, Twilight for me, I'm already, you know, I don't understand how how parents are encouraging their children, go and read the Twilight books. It's not about a vampire paedophile at all. It's entirely about a vampire paedophile. I'm sorry. It's about a vampire who's hundreds of years old falling in love with a 16-year-old. I'm sorry. It's paedophilia. Fuck off. I'm mad because they're a vampire, so it's okay. You can't cancel them because they're a vampire. God damn it. So, so yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah, you know, all of that, uh, that sort of, uh, I mean, Twilight particularly, you, you know, then Maze Runner, Hunger Games, all that sort of young yeah. adult uh, stuff, even maybe Mortal Engines, which is one I have read and seen the film of. And yeah, I've seen the film, not read the book. Um, I think it's better because the book know. has more in it. It's, it's yeah. one of the closer adaptations you'll see, mm. but uh, yeah, there's, there's bits where they get you know, they're lost at the beginning of that. They get thrown off London and then they have to try and track their way back again. And in the movie that that's sort of resolved quite quickly. Whereas in the book, it, it's explored a bit more and it's more interesting. Um, and, you know, into the action movie space, you've got your, uh, you know, the Bourne movies. Mm. Some of them are presumably based on some of the myriad books that have been written in that series. I've I've not read any of them, unfortunately, but my dad has, the entire collection of the board on bond's the same isn't it you know sorry bond is the same isn't it uh to a degree yes most a lot of them are based on the original books but mm. he only wrote a certain amount of original books i think they ran out like goldeneye isn't based on a, a book yeah yeah um and then people did come in <clears throat> like sebastian folks and, and others came in and wrote uh in the style of ian fleming new bond books but I don't know whether they've used any of those for the movies. Um, uh, yeah, like uh, Jack Reacher as well. That's a book series. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, when you actually think about it, you can go back further. Like uh, Jack Ryan is a Tom Clancy character from book. Mm-hmm. And they were making those back in what was, uh, what was it? Uh, Christ, it was Harrison Ford. No, even earlier than that, he was... Alec Baldwin played that character in The Hunt for Red October, I believe. Yes, yes, and yes. And then Harrison Ford in Patriot Games and... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Something... 
no, can't think, can't think. Gonna have to eBay it. Uh, eBay it. Gonna have to buy <laughs> and eBay it. Um, and then they did uh, Ben Affleck played him in the Sum of All Fears. Yeah, yeah. In the forties, and then the most recent one, I think, it was Chris was... Pine was it? Pine, yeah. In Kenneth yeah. uh, Branagh, I think, directed that one actually, because he was the baddie in it. Um, which was an Amazon thing, I think. And then Amazon now have the rights, I think, and are making uh, a series of it. Uh, hold on a second. I'm just looking. Ah, clear and Present Danger. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Clear and Present Danger. Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger in the 90s. So, you know, all of that is is book stuff. And that's going back then. And again, uh, did you know the Die Hard? Most of the Die Hard films, I can't yes. speak five, but certainly one, two, three, and four are mm-hmm. all based on books. Now, obviously... The first book is the character. Mm. From that point, what you can assume that they did was took a book that had a good plot and then inserted John McClane as the main character uh, to run through that book. Uh, And certainly that seems to be the case as they went forwards. But, you know, this is a thing that's been happening for a while. It just seems like nowadays it's always based on something, whether it be a bloody... Video, a video game, uh, a ride at Disney World, <laughs> yeah, a graphic novel, a one-shot comic, a book, a novella. It's all yeah. origin somewhere. Because I was listening to an interview with um, Sandra Bullock and Daniel Radcliffe about their new film coming up. That I think it's called The Lost City, City of Z or something, isn't it? It's something like yeah, something like Lost that. City of Z or something. I think. Apparently, yeah, no, it's Z. Fucking Z. That is a completely original uh, screenplay. Apparently, mm. it's not based on anything else. It is completely original. And well, it's like uh, Knives Out. Yeah, a little while ago, yeah, we, we we were like, you know what, Knives Out. It's not an adaptation. It's not based on anything. It's not for. This is just an original screenplay. The fuck? Like everybody really enjoyed it, and it was like, okay, yeah, you've taken elements of. Poirot or whatever, you know, kind of detective kind of things, and there's little, you know, eccentricities and things like that, but no, no, as a whole, entirely fresh story, new characters, loved it. It was, it was, it was a refreshing thing to see, and this is coming from somebody who loves all of his comic book adaptations, so yeah, in some ways we could say, you know, book adaptation, well, comic book adaptation, I mean, if you want to go down that route, then yeah, fucking hell, I mean, we got, we got one, you know, churning out every other month now yeah. um but at the same time it's because there is a richness of storytelling there that can be transposed from that medium to another yeah. uh but uh, we're touching more on the 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 you know book book side of it than than say comic well, books. I, I, I think you it's know. all a salient point though and like you say with the comic books i think that when they fail it's because things are changed that the original source fans don't like maybe it's mm. a difference in comic book uh, fans to standard book fans i don't know but a, a comic book itself is less content generally isn't it mm. oh, 100%. so if you're adapting a graphic novel you sh- probably fit all of that in a couple of hours you know if you look at stuff like 300 sin city those sort of things you can mm. fit all of the story i mean particularly with stuff like sin city and 300 because of the way um Zack Snyder directed 300 and uh, Rodriguez and who was it? Frank Miller? 
Rodriguez, Tarantino, I think they all had a hand in Sin City. But they some of it is panel to shot remakes, you know. Yeah, it, oh it, like it, Watchmen. Exactly the same. Yeah, like what Watchmen is, is a fantastic read. You you watch it, you you watch it, you read it, and I'm like, that's, that's literally panel for panel. Like you've not done an, an an adaptation, you've literally just taken what's in the book and put it on screen. Watchmen's an interesting uh, thing because like, I feel that Watchmen the Watchmen loses, movie is like the anti what Watchmen wanted to be. Yeah, the it's 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 Watchmen right stylish and polished and yeah. has all the Zack yeah. Snyder slow mo shit and stuff's happening on. And it looks incredible. Don't get me wrong, I think it has an amazing visual style. Mm. However, the Watchmen comic was always supposed to be the 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 anti superhero story. It wasn't supposed to be that slick, stylish. It it was always supposed to be a bit more ground level and a bit more, you know. All right, I'm, we're talking about something where a fucking massive squid ends up dropping on New York, but you, you get my point. It was supposed to be more grounded. It wasn't supposed to be slick and stylish and and incredible and make you go wow. It was supposed to engage your brain and make you think about the 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 sentiments around this sort of behavior and what's happening to these people and is it right? Is it not? What's it doing to the wider world? Um, and yeah, because Zack Snyder did the film, it just sort of loses all that. And he went, hey, let's do slow-mo and it'll look cool. And it does, but it, I feel it loses the heart of what Watchmen was. Um, so, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just going to, God, I don't know whether you've seen, um, it, it was a Darabond uh, adaptation of, I want to say The Mist, if you remember yep. the Stephen King yep. film, The Mist, and then and then you uh, and and I, get, I think it's uh, I want to say is it? Um, oh God, I'm trying to remember who 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 actually starred in it. Hang on. Oh, Thomas Jane. He was the lead. It's Thomas Jane. Thank you. I was thinking, was it Thomas Jane? Didn't want to say that with that. Okay, yeah, perfect. And you get to the end of it, and I'm not going to reveal the end for for those of you listening because if you've seen it, you know, then then fine, you'll know. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it because you get to the end and. Fuck me! I have, I have never been more depressed coming out of a film than when I got to the end of that, and that is a total divergence from the 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 book. And no, Darabon just went, "Is it not? I thought it was. A, I thought it was a huge divergence." Okay, the book. I, that's why I. So Stephen King is a topic I was going to bring up on it. I was going to say I've read a few Kings to book so, adaptations, but this was not one of them. I thought he'd changed it, so okay, I've I was wrong there. Mist is actually a short story, if I remember rightly. It's a yeah. novella from uh, maybe Skeleton Key. Mm-hmm. I know I've got it somewhere, um, but no, that that is the ending of. The okay, movie. that is the ending. But Shit, that's why, that that's why the mist comes goddamn close for me to being better than the book. The only reason it oh, doesn't for me is because the film, unfortunately, due to its budget and maybe the yeah, uh, the, the 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 actual monster itself doesn't look fabulous when you yeah, see the yeah. monster. Um, and I feel that the you know when you're reading the book, you can imagine it as being much more intimidating than it actually mm-hmm. appears when you see it. But watching the film because they did a black and white version of the film on the DVD. Actually, when you watch the black and white version, it looks better mm. because you're not seeing all the little, you know, how, how ropey the CG is at times. Mm. But yes, that that's one of the ones I was going to mention because I think that is pretty damn close mm. 
um, because it holds the ending. It keeps the ending. In that is it. Exactly I, I knew it went, went one way or the other. It was either very true to the ending or, or Darabon flipped the ending. Uh, and I, I couldn't remember which one it was. But I, I'd never read the story myself, but I came out of that and was like, oh, my fucking God. But, I mean, it, it was Stephen King, so you kind of expected that. And, again, his, uh, his books, I probably say, have probably been adapted more than most other authors at this point as well, would you probably say? Yeah, probably, because, yeah, you've got multiple adaptations in a bit. Yeah, I mean, I have read, uh, you know, after the wonderful film that was Shawshank, I was like, okay, I'm I'm curious to read the book on this, which is a hell of a lot shorter and really does not go anywhere near in, into the depths uh, that Darabon did. And again, I, I you know, loving Shawshank uh, as much as I I do, um, I, I did watch the documentary with uh with Darabon talking about it and saying yeah he'd gone up to Stephen King said oh, I want to do this and I want to change this and he was like do it and he's just like yeah I'll give you I'll give you free reign it's and I think that's one of the nice things about Stephen King when he he meets a a filmmaker or director who's gonna make changes to certain elements of it he's he'll listen to it and be like sure like I'm not, you know, he, he he's he's not like I control the narrative and I want it to be exactly as it is on page. He's very open to uh, interpretations and amendments, which I think, you know, as a as an author, it's a huge thing to go. Yeah, put your stamp on something I've created. That's the, you know, that's quite a big thing. Uh, you know, whereas you I can will... see some authors for some things just going, well, that was that that was a bag of shit. I wish you'd not done that. Or they just go, oh, here's the, I'll send you the rights. I don't give a shit what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I will correct myself. You're, you're right. It isn't exactly the same ending. Ah, okay. the, the ending of the book does leave it slightly more open-ended. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the book finishes with them in that car. Yes. Heading for supposedly salvation. But he, the last thing is like he kisses his son and says like half. Okay. But yeah, so yeah, it, it is. Hello everyone, editing Bav here. We've noticed in this episode that Discord has had a funny turn part way through. I've tried my best to patch it together, but there was no saving it. Unfortunately, I didn't have all the data. So apologies for this massive skip from one section to the next. Thanks. But and all the family were going to sit and watch Shawshank Redemption that evening. Obviously, I was old enough, but you know, we were we were going to sit and watch it. And I remember thinking, like, oh god, this looks a bit heavy for me. But I I adored it i thought it was incredible it was like nothing i'd ever seen um so he has a good history and again king uh you know you could talk about a lot of them uh, i've not read carrie but there's been two two versions of carrie mm. and certainly the i'm not so keen on the remake one i prefer the brian de palma original but you know that there, there's some arguments to be made there one of my favorite stephen king books is actually Dreamcatcher, which did get made into a film and yes being atrocious oh that was the one with damien lewis and uh jason tom, lee in it i want to yeah, say thomas jane yes again. yeah thomas jane again yeah good old tom jane and love him it's you know it, it basically i think it's because that book is fucking hard to film i think if you were going to do it because a lot of it is uh there's a lot of it that's inside a character's head and it's mm. told from inside the character's head's uh point of view sort of thing and 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 that just doesn't come across and then obviously the story itself is actually nuts by the time you get to the end so that that's shite and it doesn't come across well at all but then you look at something like the green mile that is quite possibly one of my favorite movies of all time and still 
makes me cry at least three times during its runtime. But yeah, I can't say whether it's better than the book because actually I haven't read the book. Mm. So I, you know, there are these things that I think, well, it's probably better than the book, but I couldn't actually say without reading it, you know? Um, and obviously you've got the, you know, the, the you know, we could talk about Stephen King stuff for ages, Pet Cemetery, yeah. Salem's Lot, blah, blah, blah. You know, there, there's tons of them out there. The It remakes, again, I started reading it back in the day. I think I've still got the book here, but I don't think I ever finished it. Um, so again, all I could do would be to compare the original TV uh, version, TV movie versions to the new remake versions. Yeah. And I like both. I think I prefer the more modern one just because it, it's a bit creepier in places. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a lot you could, you could say about the Stephen King stuff, but whether I could come to anything and say, yes, this is in my opinion, fundamentally better than this. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it, it I suppose we, we went through that period, um, especially I would say probably mid, mid 90s where a lot of uh we kind of got a lot of book adaptations with um you know we had things like uh goodfellas train spotting uh fight club uh obviously we've got all of the you know jane austen stuff which you know little women and you know that was that american psycho yeah american psycho yeah yeah yeah, even Schindler's List and stuff like yeah. that. That was all, you know, so it was very, very much in in the 90s, that particular decade. There was quite a, a good chunk. Now, uh, again, I haven't, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not a Jane Austen fan. I'm not going to read any of that. Um, I, it, it, again, it's not my wheelhouse, but it's subjective. There are a hell of a lot of people which love that. My mum loves all of those kinds of books. Uh, and she, you know, she she's really got herself into Bridgerton, <laughs> which I found hilarious when she told me. <laughs> she was like, it was like she was she was confessing a sin to me. So <laughs> I um, I've just I've got to tell you, um, kind of kind of been watching this Bridgerton, and I'm like, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Enjoy what you enjoy, mum. Like. Fucking hell! When she comes you know. she's watching Euphoria or a sex education. That's okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, even I've not fucking touched that shit. Jesus Christ! Like I've heard good things, but I, 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 I watched yeah. the first episode of Sex Education. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. In my twenties, then yes, I would. You know, you you see those comparisons between yourself, but unfortunately. Being the age I am with two yeah. kids, I sit and watch it and go, "Yeah, oh, shit, I don't want yeah. to think about my kids doing stuff like that." No, no, yeah, there's a there's a dude, a, a new dude at work, Charles. Uh, he uh, he has occasionally listened. So in case you're, you're listening, Charles, um, hello. you know, hello. Uh, so hello, yeah, Mr. He, Mortimer as well. he's listening. Good, good, Mister Mortimer. He's he's uh he's our avid listener. I haven't had a chance to to catch up with him recently, but I shall. Um, uh, but yeah, he um. He he was talking about um, some some various things that he'd watched, and um, he was like, "Oh, you should watch Sex Education." I'm like, "No, no, I'm too old." And uh, you know, sometimes like you know, I have these conversations with people, and then I don't think they realize I'm I'm close to forty. I may not look it, I may not act it, sure as shit, don't act it, but I'm close to forty. And then it's like talking about sex education, sex education. I'm like, no, like I've done my skins viewing that 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 you know it's it's the next generation whatever it was for your generation yeah um but yeah like so so one of one of the 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 
film straight books i did mention fight club i don't know did you ever watch it because i watched the film and i was very intrigued by the film so i did go and read the book Ah, uh, no i never read the book but yeah oh, okay. i love I, you know the film is a, a classic yeah it, it it does um there are a lot of, of similarities there are some subtle differences uh it's a bit more I want to say structured, perhaps, within the film that is in the book. Uh, the, the book is a bit all over at times with uh, with, with some of the ideas. Um, but it it really encapsulates the entirety of the book. And I know that I think he's gone off since and done a sequel, uh, sequel book, but I don't think they could ever do so with the film, um, which I think is, 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 is one of those things where you can do... You know, you could do a book and you could do a sequel to that book and you could do a film and sometimes you can do a sequel to that film. It's like Ready Player One. Um, now, I've had the luxury of reading both the book and watching the film. And Ready Player One? Ready Player One, yeah. Yep. And 100% the book is far better than the film. Um, yes. 100%. That, that's one of those ones where I can go, no, categorically, the, the, the book is better than the film. There are a lot of things I do like about the film. But again, you turn that Ready Player One into a HBO Max series, then you're going to get me a little bit more because there's not as much depth into the characters. The complexity between the main four characters, uh, or four or five characters, I should say, sorry. Um, There's a lot more to some of the stuff that goes on between them and them being confined to their apartments or wherever they're living and they're living in the virtual world. You don't really get that feel and sense of it with an hour and a half Steven Spielberg film. It just didn't, you you just didn't get that. You just didn't get that with the characters. You just didn't get that with the story. I hate the fact that they put too pretty in the lead role. Yeah, that that yeah yeah Olivia Cook was yeah she she looked hot. That's the, the thing. Main guy, the main lad's supposed to be overweight. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's that's the thing. It's like okay, how, how do you sell a, a Hollywood film? You can't put ugly people in the lead roles. It just it's just not going to happen. It's, I hate that. I hate it so much. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that annoyed me about that is obviously the book because it's a book can go nuts with its with the properties it wants to yes. draw on. Which is what would actually happen in the metaverse. Yeah. Whereas, because of licensing issues in movies, yes. they can't use all the reference points. Yeah. And you know, I think back to it, and I think you know what that that section towards the end where he's basically just going through the the plot of the Holy Grail, and I wasn't bored reading that in the book, mm-hmm. but sitting watching someone do that in a film. I think I'd be bored. Yeah, I do, it doesn't have the emotional gut wrench um, no. because again, it was it was too family friendly. Like in the book, so, uh, for, for for those who've never read Ready Player One, who may have seen the film, um, a number of the characters uh, are actually killed. Uh, like uh, there's one of the, the the guys from Japan who turns up in the fight, and they're like, "Yeah, that's great." No, no, no. In Japan, he is he is literally picked up and thrown out of his window. Because they come and find him, and they're like, "No, we don't want you to to be able to break the, uh, you know, find the egg and and you know, basically get this reward. We don't want that to happen." So people actually break into his apartment while he's in VR, pick him up, and throw him out of a window. Like yeah. some really heinous shit. At one point, they turn up at um, you know, at somebody's house, and sorry, they're they're in the room with you. Like I I can tell you for fact, they're in the room with you. 
and that person is then like having a full-on panic attack like holy fuck i'm in a vr world but there are people in my actual apartment who are going to kidnap me and stuff and you're like okay there's real real implications there's real real stress to this and then the film washes away with most of that and it's like you yeah, when you lose that, you lose part of the characters and you lose part of the story. There's the, you, you, what you're fighting for is is not as important as it seems to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, just uh, on Fight Club, mm. Fight Club Two is uh, a comic book meta sequel. Okay, there you go. Published by Dark Horse Comics. Mm. I knew there was a. I knew there was a. Yeah, too, yeah. which is why I looked it up because I was sure it wasn't a book, but I knew you were right that he'd done some sort of sequel. Mm. Um, but yes, that's why it's a. It's a comic book. Um, oh, it's funny you touched on Asimov earlier mm. uh, in the intro. Yeah, you know, obviously yeah. there's a lot of stories out there inspired by Asimov tales. Things like I Robot is is inspired by asimov's writings and even as they're all necessarily based on a book that asimov wrote but it's it's more ideas and postulations from asimov that inspired the films i mean essentially i robot is its inspiration is the three laws yeah and 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 i have love and admiration for uh asimov and and some of those excuse me basic sci-fi beliefs that he instilled and and still pretty much uh you know a lot of people in sci-fi adhere to today like the three laws um as as controversial as an individual uh as he is now mr mr smith uh yeah, that appeared but, yeah. in that film um that as much as i would love to comment on that i i fear that that it could end up being an hour-long debate that we probably should not have ourselves i um, don't think yeah i don't think i've got <laughs> anything to say on it it's a difficult situation i can't yeah. say that in the same situation i wouldn't have done the same thing but also, I can't say that I wouldn't have sat there and laughed along with it. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. it's uh, yeah, it's it's the hypocrisy that gets me every single yeah. goddamn time. Um, you know, but yeah, anyway, we're not touching on that, some bitch. Um, but yeah, like it's some of those films that that have touched upon those themes. Um, and there are films, and, and there is always like sci-fi and stuff that we always kind of go back to. Okay, the three laws, and they take the piss out of it and stuff. But it all has a basis in that. So you know, again, Asimov. As you'll see in um, Mythic Quest Season 2, to to bring it back uh, to our most latest podcast recorded six months ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say um, Asimov will be a thread that's actually picked up a little bit in Mythic Quest Season 2 for uh, uh, for reasons that you'll get to there. Um, and again, it's it's little things like that. Like when you have these great writers that that kind of dictate these certain things, everybody kind of aspires to that and just uses that as a frame of reference. And Asimov for sci-fi at times, it does feel as though that is is certainly the case. So some of his adaptations, uh, when you look at Foundation, some of his high concept stuff is the reason I'm engaging with Foundation and the reason that I'm following it, even though. I could have dropped off of it um, is because I want to see where some of these ideas and beliefs go because I haven't read a lot of Asimov because it is a lot more oldie sci-fi. If that, if that makes sense? Um, yeah. Um, another writer I wrote down to discuss his work as well is Robert Harris, who is the man behind uh, the Hannibal books. Mm. Um, and that's an interesting one. Cause I, I, I've got the books. I've read all of them. Um, and I think 
Red Dragon, the remake of Red Dragon, because uh, Red Dragon was originally made as Manhunt in the 80s with uh, Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter, if memory serves. And then it was obviously remade with Ralph Fiennes um, and Anthony Hopkins, but this was after, I think, because, yeah, they did it out of order. The first book, the first Hannibal book is Red Dragon. The second one is Silence of the Lambs. The third one is Hannibal. And then we'll go into what follows that afterwards. But they were the core trilogy. And obviously Manhunt was an adaptation of Red Dragon. But then they did Silence of the Lambs instead. And obviously that got big. So then they did Hannibal as the sequel. And then they went back and remade Red Dragon with Anthony Hopkins playing the Hannibal role in the film. Because he wasn't in the original adaptation called Manhunt. Um, and those books are, I love the books. I mean, the Hannibal, particularly the third one, Hannibal book, I, I really enjoy. I think that's a really good book. And the film does half a decent job of adapting it. It changes the end, unfortunately. I'd rather the end didn't change. But there are sequences in it with the Italian police officer is one that sticks in my head quite a lot. When I saw how they filmed uh, that particular sequence with him attacking this Italian police officer and how it ends up. Uh, That (laughs) when I saw it on screen, I was like, yep, that's, that's how I pictured it in my head. So there was some decent adaptive work going on. What, what then uh, the reason I picked this, this guy to look at is because of the success of those films, they then got him to go back and write a book for them to base another film on. Mm. So he went and wrote a book called Hannibal Rising, which was the sort of origin story of Hannibal Lecter, uh, of when he was a kid, just so the studio could then make the movie Hannibal Rising, which was a Mm. piece of crap. And unfortunately, I don't even stand by the book. I don't think the book's very good (laughs) because it's a story that didn't need telling that I don't think the writer actually knew what to do with. He just was like, oh, I've got to do this. So let me think of what I can write into his past to explain why he wears uh, the mouth cover. Yeah, see, that's where, uh, unfortunately... Like, he wears the mouth covering in Silence of the Lambs because he's in a lunatic asylum and that's what he should be wearing, you know? Yeah, it's where an author, I, I lose a little bit. I know, I don't want to say respect, but, no, but you, it's, it's, it's like George Fatboy Martin. Um, and yeah, I'm still going to call him that because he is a fat boy. Um, and uh, he's he's not as good of a, an author as everybody goes. Everyone's like, oh yeah, falling over the fact that he helped do Elden Ring. Whoopie do. His main fucking book, his whole book series that everybody remembers him for and everybody knows him for, has still not been finished to this day, and it's been maybe a decade since he lo- wrote the last book. Uh, his books were getting worse. Like, everybody seems to have this high opinion of him. No, his books were actually getting worse. Like, I was bored as shit in the last of the Game of Thrones books that he wrote. And the fact that he hasn't even finished it tells me he was bored as well. Um, you know, you know they, where he's well, going, clearly, yeah. or he'd lost interest. And then you see it on screen and go, wow, is, is that the ending that you were looking for? Well, that was shit. Maybe I don't want to read the book. And then he's not written the book. He's going to drag it out for another 10 years. Uh, maybe he'll release it when he dies so that people might read it. Because at the moment, I don't think anybody would give a shit. Um, but it's it's, yeah, you lose a little bit of respect for authors who then suddenly pony up you know or a studio ponies up and goes oh could you uh could you write a sequel to this lo and behold we got a ready player two after ready player one came out yeah. um i have not read it um our good friend who who 
is a much you know more more avid reader than I as uh, has read it and was thoroughly disappointed. In fact, I think I bought it for him for Christmas, and I felt a bit bad after the fact because the the only reason that he wrote Ready Player Two is because. The book came out and he basically went, okay, well, I better do it so Spielberg's got another film to make. It's just bullshit. Like, ah, uh, just, yeah. Yeah, not so much. No. Interestingly. So, let's, I want to, I, I do have one that I'm going to fight the case for being better than the book mm-hmm. that I'm going to come to. So let's start moving towards that. I've just, mm-hmm. out of interest, looked up a, uh, sort of best movies based on the books sort of things to see what whether it presents anything new to me that I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some interesting stuff, actually, that I'd forgotten about. Um, obviously, things like Shawshank, and as you mentioned, things like mm-hmm. Atonement, the Jane Austen stuff, Pride of Prejudice, Sense of Sensibility. Forgot about Jurassic Park. Mm. Fabulous book, fabulous film. And mm. that also brings me to another Michael Crichton book and film that I love. Um, Sphere is a Michael Crichton book and a film that I think is brilliant. Um, as you said, the Godfather stuff. I mean, it mentions some modern yeah. stuff that I had thought of, to be fair. Like if Bill Street could talk, um, uh, Crazy Rich Asians. I'd forgotten The Princess Bride is based on a book. Yeah, there's a lot. I've not read anywhere near uh, those because, again, it's. Like one book, I, I actually, yeah, I can quickly talk about one book which, which I've read. Now, the reason that I've read this is because my mum gave it to me. And she, you know, my mum has, has been an avid reader and she's, you know, over the years, she's always given me uh, a good book every once in a while. And I must say, I, I got really uh, engrossed in this and it was called The Time Traveller's Wife. I don't know if yeah, you remember. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, so a film, came, a film version of it came out a few years back with Eric Banner and uh, Rachel McAdams. And as I understand, I believe there is another adaptation at the moment. I want to say Domhnall Gleeson is in it and Rose Leslie as well. I want to say. I could be wrong. Could be wrong on, on that one. I think Rose Leslie's in it, but I think Domhnall Gleeson may not be. Uh, but anyway, so it's it's essentially about a guy who travels through time unknowingly, unwittingly, and he kind of travels through his own personal timeline and interacts with you know, his his future wife at different periods of time and stuff like that. And I thought, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I, I thought, you know, they could turn this into a really good film adaptation. It was a scratch compared to the book. Um, but again, it was not a book that I would have gone out of my way to pick up and read. Um, it was just because my mum was like, I think you'd enjoy this. I think this would be, I think this is a good story. I think you'll enjoy this. And my mum says that, you know, everyone should listen to the mum. That's just, just a given in life. So she gave it to me and I was like, yeah, that's great. And then we talked about it after the fact because she watched the film, same as me. And she said the exact same thing. She was like, oh, it's not a scratch on the book, really, was it? So I understand where these adaptations, they want to give a book and they want to present this to a medium because people aren't necessarily going to read a book. Because the amount of people that I know that categorically have not read a book in the last decade, maybe even 20 years, is staggering to me. Um Whereas people that will watch stuff on a daily basis, shit like Love Island, and I'm not going. No, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But all that kind of stuff that they will watch that kind of mind-numbing bullcrap, as opposed to reading something which would be a hell of a lot more entertaining to them. I do, I do, you know. So yeah, it baffles me at times. Sorry, I just had to. It was just one that suddenly sprang to mind that I'd, I had watched 
and red. So yeah, sorry, I just had to interject there. No, that's fair enough. Uh, things like uh, No Country for Old Men. Mm. I wish I, I like that's a book I'd like to read. I haven't got around to it yet. Cormac McCarthy, but obviously the film is a masterpiece. So I would be, you know, I'd I'd love to read that sort of stuff. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything like, yeah, you know, obviously The Exorcist is based on a book, but you know, I, I've not read these things, and you know, we could sit here and talk about stuff that we've not read for a long while, but mm-hmm. I don't see the unless we have actually read the book behind it. Okay, here's here's a question for you then. Um, is there a book that you have read that you would like to see the adaptation of? Because hmm. I know of one, one hundred percent. There is one uh, book series which, uh, which again, our, our good friend Gav had had bought for me. Uh, I think over a couple of Christmases or something. And uh, and and I to this day, I'm like. I don't know how this has not been made into into an adaptation. Yeah. Um, he put it onto? It was the. Um... Oh well, god! You damn. say yours first. Put me onto a sci-fi series. And yes, well, actually, it, this this was more. I mean, this was a more of a fantasy than than than, than a sci-fi. Um, but it's the um, the Christ. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna. It's the Mistborn. Uh, series. I was going to say Mistborn trilogy because that kind of works because the first three books are very much contained, but it is a series because it kind of picks up a uh, a generation afterwards. So this is, you know, uh, a series about uh, set in a myth- myth- mystical kind of ish era where ingesting parts of certain metals would give you certain abilities. As weird as that may sound, it is very very complex and a lot more deep than that. Uh, and as soon as I started reading the first book, I was like, wow, I'm really enjoying this. And then you see some adaptations of Lord of the Rings and, um, you know, Wheel of Time and all these kind of things, these fantasy series. And especially as a book series, which was very much uh, about a female character and, and female empowerment and, and how she's pushing the, the dynamics and things and how this changing world. I genuinely, I do not know at this point how this has not been turned into like a HBO Max series or something. Like when I watched, remember I mentioned Shadow and Bone, um, I think last year that I'd watched on Netflix. As soon as I started watching this, I watched it and I kind of went, okay, well, if this has been made, how has that not been made? Because sincerely, I, I am like, if and or when the Mistborn stuff does come, that will be popular as shit. I can guarantee, and I, I'm very much looking forward to that adaptation. So that, that's mine, anyway. About it, because I've never heard of that actually. But reading about it, there's yeah, the original trilogy was 2006 to 2008, mm-hmm. three books, uh, and then it says to prepare readers for the second series, they wrote a transitional sequel, mm-hmm. which then became the first installment of the Wax and Wayne tetralogy. Yeah, set 300 which, years yeah. later. Yeah. Um, and then apparently the third trilogy is being planned, and it's set in the future. Early day computer programming. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, set to release in 20, 2025, 2026, and twenty twenty seven. Yeah, and it's it's the the changes of uh, technology as a result of okay, well we've got people, uh, and this is just anybody, you know, general people. Some people kind of have this ability if you know they're. they're uh, they've got a reaction to this metal. Some people will have this if they've got a reaction to this metal. So it's very, ch- so, but the technology and, and everything around them will also change because of these metals and things like that. So as opposed to, okay, we've got cars that get us from point A to point B because we've got no ability. 
well, if you've got the ability within you to push metal, then you don't need an engine. It's little things like that that I was very much interested in in the second trilogy, the Wax and Wayne trilogy, uh, that was very much uh, different to the first one because they were a completely different generation. Technology has changed. And that was one of those subtle things. I was like, you don't often see that in books or, you know, you don't often see that in, in films and stuff like that. And the actual natural transition of technological eras, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, my my one is um, the culture novels. That's what Gav put me onto. Mm. Um, so the first one of which is Consider Phlebas. Uh, and then the second one is The Player of Games, I think. And The Player of Games particularly was, I read that and was like, wow, you could absolutely do this and make this work. Um, but yeah, I, I was, funnily enough, reading about it, because obviously there's tons of the books. So the first one was published in 1987. So there's loads of them. But looking at it, actually, there was, um, it says that in February 2018, Amazon announced it had acquired the global television rights to it to be adapted into a television series, but it was cancelled in August 2020. So that's interesting. I wonder why why that has been, because I wouldn't consider them particularly difficult to adapt in this day and age. It is, um, yeah, it is that thing of you you do here, because again, with the with, with the Mistborn stuff and, and other things that uh, Brandon Sanderson as an author has done, I've heard various rumblings of, oh, okay, the, this studio has picked this up or they're doing this adaptation. And it does seem to be, okay, somebody's read the book, really enjoyed it. And then two years later, everyone's like, oh God, like that, that book's, yeah, nobody's talking about that book anymore. Let's jump on to the next thing. Um, it, it does seem, okay, well, well, let's let's push this adaptation so far and then, yeah, it's a bit, yes, no, let's, no. Um, and then, yeah, they suddenly go, okay, let's let's find the next big hit. And it is very much, okay, let's try and find the next big hit. Whereas sometimes the next big hit could be a hit that was out 20 years ago. You just need to adapt it. You just need to present it to a modern audience. Yeah. Because, yeah, those books, the culture novels, it's all set in a, a, a distant future, you know, with different races in space and stuff. So it's it's not as if it's a, an old-fashioned story. Um, okay, so let's start heading towards conclusion then. Mm. Is there, in your opinion, a movie that's better than the book it's based on that you would like to fight an argument for? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the with the Rings uh, trilogy because as as much as people may love uh, Token, um, sorry, did I say that right? What to- Token? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you said that right. Um, okay. Uh... That's that's a that's an inside joke for anybody who's currently watching the latest series of South Park. Yes. Yeah, we'll come to that in yeah, the because apparently the- we've been a bunch of racists for years and we just didn't realise it. Um, so yeah, so now I yeah, like I say, I know a lot of people love Tolkien and uh, and and all of his works and stuff like that. And yes, the Lord of the Rings trilogy as a as a book story is very very interesting. Um, and loads of people will you know probably argue the case that it is a lot better than the the movies, but. As, as somebody whose medium is preferred as a visual medium, especially, you know, film, um, I'm 100% going to say Lord of the Rings because even to this day, I it, it's been a while since I've watched the trilogy again and I'm always reluctant to because if I do start it, I'm like, I'm dedicated the next nine hours to to kind of going through the Lord of the Rings trilogy because if I'm going to start it, I'm I'm getting all the way through. It's it's a huge undertaking, but there is so much there. There is so much love. There is so much time spent 
on the entirety of those films. Um, to this day, you know, it's lauded as one of, if not the best trilogy. Um, you know, everybody can argue Star Wars trilogy, but the difference between that and this is that these were three unbelievably awesome films, one after the other. You couldn't necessarily say that about the Star Wars ones. There were peaks and troughs within the films and, and the story itself. Okay, that's subjective. Whereas this, like, I think you was it you shared a, a graphic recently of like all trilogies, uh, and it was someone like a, had done a, like a graph yeah. to demonstrate how trilogy, was, how sequel trilogies uh, are ranked. Yeah, yeah, and so you've got some which are like all the way at the top, and then it drops to the second, rises for the third. And the one thing I think I actually commented, I was like, you know what, the one thing I loved is that all of the Lord of the Rings were on even keel. And whereas um, the Matrix one was like, the first bar is totally... First one was all the, the way at the top. Yeah. Fraction, third bar's non-existent. Yeah. Um, so when I see that, I'm like, yeah. I, I, I genuinely believe, even to this day, it's still like the best trilogy out there um, for a, a set number of films that keep the standard all the way through 100%. In, in, and I think it will go down in... in movie history as such as well yeah. whereas the books do not engage me anywhere near as much and while they may for other people uh i feel that the films appeal to a more broader uh spectrum of people it's the thing for me is is because I, I i totally agree with you like I say i i've tried to read the lord of the rings book because i found them impenetrable after having seen the films and i maybe it's a question of what you get in it do you get enough of the book to make you care about the characters and the scenarios so that if they leave out massive chunks, like the whole thing with uh, the end of the book, uh, the last book, is it with Saruman's taken over the Shire or something? Yeah. Yeah. Saruman's taken over the Shire and they go back and they they rise everybody up. Yeah. I get that. But maybe because it gets enough from the books, you don't need that bit. No. No, no. to get what you need to get out of the book itself so yeah, I, I the, totally agree with that. the relationships you see on screen uh you you see them as a fellowship on screen you do not well i never took away from the books the camaraderie that they have uh from the books that i see on screen the you know the fact that all of the actors now you know they've all got the you know they've all got a tattoo and yeah. uh you know they all meet up from time to time and they you know they, they show that love and admiration because they they spent so long together filming that thing that comes across so naturally on screen. They're they're still friends to this day because of the experiences they went through. And that shows on screen throughout their performances as well. You can't read that in, 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 in between lines of a page, you can see it on screen and you can see the, uh, you know, the actors and how they, how they present that character. And that, that's more telling for me. Yeah, no. And it's funny. The point you've just made there is kind of why the one I'm going to go for, I go for. So I, I th- th- this is the reason that I came up with this whole episode, actually, was watching this film and I, for the 15 millionth time because I love it. And I was like, you know what? I, I think this is better than the book, and I can say why. I'm going with The Martian. Okay. Now, I love the book of The Martian. Mm. Obviously, our, our, as you say, our, our reading friend Gav is the one who put me onto it in the first place, and, and I read the book. Um, uh, and, and I loved the book. I did really enjoy the book. But it's, when you watch the film afterwards, the reason I think the film works so well, because it is missing stuff. There are hmm. events that happen to him on his journey towards the hab, the, 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 the new area at the end that he's got to get to in his uh, car. Right? There's a 
situation where it rolls down a hill as he's very close and he has to recover it again. And to be honest, I think that's too much in the book. I think mm. they put it in the book because they have to have a little bit of suspense. Exactly. You have yeah. to think that it may go wrong again. Mm. And I get that. But it does strike it as too much. And like, how the fuck would he get out of this situation? Now, the the reason that I feel the film is better than the book at telling the story is because of the way it's written. The book itself, when it's when it's on Earth or when it's in the um oh, what's the name of the ship? Is it Ares that's flying back to Earth? Mm-hmm. It's told from a third person point of view, or it's told from the point of view of a character in that scenario. When you're on Mars with Matt Damon's character, whose name escapes me right now, annoyingly, but when you're on Mars with him, in the book, it is all told from his point of view as diary entries. So it starts as Sol 500, you know, Sol 25. And then it's him giving a diary entry like he does in the film to camera, does a, you know, a monologue to camera to, to give his diary entry. So it's told from that point of view. Now, where it, it, I struggle with it is I read the book and was like, Jesus Christ, the amount of times this guy has picked himself up and just cracked the fuck on mm. without taking any sort of, you know, you, you, you read these scenarios and you're like, mate, I'd have given up 20 minutes ago. I'd have just gone, fuck this. And, collapsed in a ball on the floor crying because i'm stuck on another planet on my own with no hope of rescue for hundreds of days Mm. now i get that the character wouldn't necessarily react like that because he's supposed to be a highly trained individual but at the same time he's a botanist not a military man what the film gives me is that humanization because i can look at matt damon's face Mm. when he's in these difficult scenarios and it is a strain on him. It is bothering him at an emotional level. It is something he's struggling with to pick himself up and carry on every time. But it's never anything that's said. It's just in the performance of that actor and the facial expressions and that sort of thing, which you don't get from a book. Yes. When it's told in that way, you yes, you know, depending on whether you're third person, first person in a book... You can tell some of those things, but when you're telling a story entirely first person, you're not in that character's head. So you're not getting the emotional reaction from the character in the book because all we're getting is spoken to camera diary entries. Yeah. So unless he sits there and psychoanalyzes himself, which he doesn't, you're never going to know what's going on under the surface. Whereas the visual medium, as you've been saying can give us that without extra dialogue yeah you say um you say something uh, you know in terms of uh, of a book and he's just like oh you know he's reached the point where he's close to tears and you're talking about in his mind okay that's fine you you say okay he's close to tears and you think oh okay he's a bit frustrated you see the flip side of that that medium on screen and you see the frustration where he's just sat down and he's just kind of got his head in his hands and he's just staring just like and you see the tears welling up, boom, that's more of an impact Absolutely. immediately for me, 100%. That's why it works better for me, because there isn't a huge amount that's missing, to be honest. It's quite a faithful adaptation. Um, like I say, there are a couple of scenarios he gets into on Mars that they gloss over for time, I would have thought. But other than that, it's fairly close, and it, 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 it's very good. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the one I would argue. That's, you know, there are others out there, but 
I wouldn't feel comfortable getting, you know, I could see how my argument for it could be talked down, but mm. I, I, I believe that I can fight an argument for that one. I love The Martian. I think it's a fantastic film. I think the book's True, great, yeah. but I do think the book gives you more. Uh, sorry, I do think the film gives you more than the book does due to the nature of the way the book's written. Like I say, maybe if it was written in third person and you were getting those insights into the character's mind, it would be different. But, you know, because of the way it's written, it isn't. And it works it, it works better on, on screen, I feel. So there you go. A couple of hours just for me to go, hey, I think The Martian's better. <laughs> <laughs> for you to make the same point that you did at the beginning, which was yeah. Lord of the Rings. Is yeah, but, we, hey, we, I... we, we, but at the same time, it, 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 you know, we presented our initial beliefs and uh, we, we talked to Ray. Hey, you know what? For, for uh, the first one back for a while, we, we, we covered a broader topic than, than, yeah. uh, than, than just the usual, you know. As always... Yeah. It's not just about what we think. Yeah. We're interested in what you guys think. So yeah. if you would like to join the conversation with us and tell us what your favourite book is or why, you know, why is Fluff wrong? Is Lord of the Rings the books the better? You tell us why. I mean, you're probably wrong, but that's fine. You're entitled to your own incorrect opinions. <laughs> if you would like to join in the conversation, you can contact us at facebook.com forward slash the Screen Masters at the sm underscore pod on twitter uh or leave a comment on a U- old youtube video if you want i don't know why you would but perhaps those other two methods are the best way of getting in touch with us for now but i think unless you've got anything else you want to say before we wrap up uh no uh you know uh, the only thing i'll say I, w- I will say as we're talking on books adaptations uh again we always talk about expanse because we love it uh, if you've never started the Expanse books, I have now finished it. I can wholeheartedly say uh, it is. Uh, it, it feels like a completely justified ending. Uh, it feels like it, it ended in the right place. Um, so yeah, if you if you're looking for a good book adaptation thing to to go with, then uh, the Expanse will be the one for for you. Uh, it's. Uh, it, we, 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 I'm, I'm, still, I'm still fingers crossed, hoping that these last couple of books will get an adaptation of some degree. I understand why we might need, might need to wait a couple of years because some of the characters are aged in the in the in the actual books themselves, but still keep them a fingers crossed that might happen one day. Nice. Yeah, I'm on. I think I finished the first book now. I think I'm on the second one. But uh, yes, I am still reading those. So yeah, for now, ladies and gentlemen, I shall say I have been Bav. And I have been Fluff. And this has been Screen Masters. <laughs>